Mind Hood and Evil. We're your host. I'm Mike. That's Chris. What's up? Slim. What are we getting into today? Man, you already know what it is, man. Before we even start, I just want to go ahead and let everybody know that you should go ahead and follow Beyond Hood and Evil. If you ain't following Beyond Hood and Evil on the IG page, on the Spotify page, on the Apple Podcast page, you're doing yourself a disservice. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at Beyond Hood and Evil. Make sure you follow the page and share the page with a friend. Am I saying that we're going to blow up your feed? No. <laughs> Am I saying that we're going to be posting content that you need to know, though? Yes. If you're listening to us right now on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button and rate us. If you can't rate us, that just means you ain't listened to enough episodes. So make sure you double up, play a few, and then come back and rate us. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you hit subscribe and rate us. And if you're listening on neither of those platforms, do the same damn thing. All right, let's get into it. Um, you already know what it is, Beyond Hood and Evil. And today, we are talking about Negroes versus niggas. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the framing is that we're talking about the idea of Black people that pursue freedom by learning the system and using it to their advantage versus those who fall victim to the system and don't understand how to get out of that framework. So that's what we're getting into today. Mike is going to kick us off with a little bit of context for this, and we will get into a little bit of a conversation. If you haven't already, remember to follow Beyond Her and Evil on Instagram, man. We're real close getting like 300 people, man. So if you're listening right now, you got a friend or somebody that you don't like, man, just send it to them, man. Be like, hey, man, I got something for you, man. Cause, you know, you feel like somebody fall in one of these categories, go ahead and send it to them. So uh, last night I was at a dinner. It was to to celebrate the the birthday of my godfather. He turned 75. So shout out to my godfather, Jeff. Let's um, go. He's a really great dude, a really great life. And it was a lot of love showered on him last night. And one of the guests there, um, he's, a, he's a good family friend, and he's a, he's a black man, older black man. We got to rapping, and one of the things about this older black man is, you know, we've met before, we've had multiple conversations, and he's taken a liking to me. And I think he's mostly taken a liking to me. Well, you know, partly I'm a, I'm a black man, but I also just like shut the fuck up and listen when he talks. <laughs> and I think that's uh, that's something that you can't uh, underestimate when it comes to our elders. They do appreciate when young people just shut the fuck up and listen and ask questions. Mm. And so, you know, although I do spend a good amount of time talking, I think I might equally spend a amount of time listening. So, you know, it depends on which day you catch me. Okay. <laughs> but whenever I'm around this guy, I always just decide to listen because I feel like he's just full of information. Sometimes I feel like it's opinions. Sometimes I feel like it could be embellished or two. But for the most time, for the most part, I think it's facts. Like he's just dropping facts. And so the pretext to all of this is that he uh, is a black man in Chicago and he's from a really wealthy family. Mm -hmm. um, and his family was able to establish their wealth way back in the day, generations before, two or three generations before. Um, and they were able to establish their wealth from land acquisitions. But for the most part, they're in real estate, commercial and um, residential, and they have lots of land across the states and they've been able to manage that land. And as a result of being business people and black business people, they are part of the brigade of, of wealthy blacks who pretty much operate in silence. We hear about the Will Smiths, the Oprah Renfries, the Robert Smiths of the world. But then you got to think about the people who you never hear about. Right. Who mm -hmm. keeps this this country really running. Um, and so Chris and I were just making a bit of a joke. It's like, you could believe this or not, um, but there's a lot of wealth that operates within this world. And so I think a lot of the elite of the elite allow us to think that Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are the wealthiest people in the world. They are not. They are the wealthiest people that we know about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then when we also thinking about when we Google people's net worth, like that's not real either. Like that... <laughs> That is not a real depiction of the wealth that these people have amassed and where they keep their wealth. Exactly. Um, so just 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 a little pretext there. So this man got he's got money, and so he he makes it a point to kind of prove to me and show me his receipts, right? Because some of the shit that he starts to talk about, it just sounds outlandish. It's just like, bro, because you're you're never really that close to people who operate within nine figures, mm. right? And especially as a black person, navigate nine figure deals that you're not hearing about in Business Week. Right, that you're yeah. not hearing about in Politico. And so he makes it a point to me and he uh, pulls out his phone and he shows me a text thread of this project that's happening and it's like an $80 million project that he's working on. And he's trying to get the bag secured. And this is, he said, this is one of multiple bags that are out there. Mm. And so 
as I'm talking to this man, I'm just like, yo, dude, you got, you have so much knowledge, network, wealth, real estate. Like, I said, why don't you give that information? And he looked at me in my face and he said, because niggas don't believe it and niggas don't want to work to believe it. He's like, niggas don't believe that you can come around here and do $80 million deals. He was like, they don't believe that. He was like, if I were to sell somebody else's text, they would laugh and say, ha ha, that's fake. And initially, bro, I, I was, I kind of waved it off. Like, man, this could be like, you know, some screenshots. But at the end of the day, why is this man telling this story to me to just lie and talk up shit? Now there are some people who are psychotic. <laughs> who do yeah, High level sociopaths, high level sociopaths. High, high level, high functioning <laughs> sociopaths. But I'm like, but, I was like, but why does this man have to do this? He don't really have to do this, right? And who am I, you know, to say like, you don't need to, you know, pipe yourself up to me. Like we just having a conversation. So I have to take it as facts. Like this man is really operating this way. And when you see this man's home and the way he keeps it established and what he rides in and out, I don't think he's the casual, you know, street businessman. <laughs> okay. Where he operates, right? Were you pushing a Hyundai? Hey, hey, man. Hyundai times six. A Genesis. <laughs> Got the baby Bentley, as they say. He drive a Chrysler 300. All I'm just trying to say is that this man keeps uh, six-digit uh, construction equipment on his property, and he just, like, rents it out and gives it out to friends just to use. Like, he has, like, a $100,000 fork machine that he uses to manage his property, like, in the city. If you need a large machine like that to manage the property in the city, you got to know how much property you have and what you're doing with that. He also just does everybody's snow on the whole block for free just because he's like, I got the machines. I got the money. I got the time. I'll take care of it for the block. Interesting, dude. But the point, Chris, is this. When he tells me all of this, though, he gives crumbs of the family business. And it takes me to a point of where I'm like, yo, bro, you have, again, capital, you have the wealth, you have the network, you have the opportunities. And you're saying that, you know, you want to be able to give this information. So I push him on it. So why don't you give this information to young black men like me, who he wants to give it to? And he was like, because niggas don't believe they can do this and niggas don't want to work in order to believe. And I asked him to explain. And he talks about his family, how he was next in line to kind of assume this role in the family. Um, and how the family hasn't really stepped up to also work to support the family. They just want to benefit from it. And he still has the perspective of his elder generations where it's like, yo, in order to make the bread, you got to get up and make the bread. Like you got to get up and do the work every single day. And he was like, people are misled, especially black men are misled that money just grows on trees. He was like, you don't just get up and get money. He was like, you get up and do shit every single day to make money. He was like, CEOs don't sleep. Like CEOs work all the time and you have to make a sacrifice. And he was like, if it's <laughs> he's like, if my life it was ever about <laughs> bitches and money. <laughs> and he was like, and I like booty and I like new booty too. <laughs> but it was ever between booty and money, I'm choosing money all the time. He was mm -hmm. like, money over everything. Mm -hmm. And when he gave me nuggets of the business, I was just like, no, I don't believe every any business is clean, not our governments. Mm -hmm state, local, federal, any corporation, any nonprofit, I think this world is too intertwined, the light side and the dark side. What I mean yeah. by that is those that aspire to do great and do it through um, a sanctified way. And then others mm -hmm. who are like, I'm going to get it by any means. The challenge I had with him saying that, you know, you know, there's not enough of us young black men who are trying to, you know, absorb this information is, it's not that I disagree with that fact. Because I might be in that camp in many regards. But okay. not because I'm unwilling to work, because I've said a quote, Chris, before that I'm not afraid of the hard work. I just want it to be worth it. Yeah. Right? For me, I have a strong moral compass. And what I was challenged by in all of this is just like, the he's a part of the world that we don't hear about. And he's a part of the world that makes the economy go round. So that means he's a part of the world that is... The reason why you and I grow up in poverty. Hmm. He is a part of the group. The reason why when the world spins, there are winners and then there are losers. He is winning. And the byproduct, there are losers. Hmm. And so when he's talking about going to get in this bag and the way in which he goes about it, because he understands the economy, understand how it works so much to a T that hmm. he's able to tell me very clearly how to go out and get money. But when he's telling me that and I'm listening to it with a critical eye and a critical ear, I'm like, there's so many people who become disadvantaged by the approaches that individuals like you take. It's not always mm. directly harmful, but I'm like, there are people who lose here. And for me, 
I, I want to, as much as possible, stay close to the space where I don't have to make people disadvantaged in order for me to get an advantage. Chris, now I'm just saying Weak. that's where I live. And you, you asked me for the context. So as I wrap this up, Chris, that's the context of this is like, he's just like, yo, you know, when he was growing up, he had to learn how to tend to things. He had to learn how to work. He had to learn the business. He had to learn how the money worked. He was like, instead of being called, you know, you know, the nigga or whatever word they would have for the black man, he was coming up to be an educated Negro. Mm. Right. And, and those of us who did not pursue equality as it relates to your financial gains and being able to create a legacy for your family, for those of us who didn't really want to put our heads down and do this work and really fight for our rights, like those of us who are just kind of hanging around waiting for things to happen, you're lazy niggas. Mm. And Chris, that just really struck me. Not even the words, because the words, I feel like you give words power, right? So like it wasn't even the usage of Negro versus niggas, but it was really the sentiment behind it. And how much this man really holds that to this day and how much knowledge he has to give that I think just falls on deaf ears because of the pretext, who he is, what he does. I think that does shield some folks from being like, yeah, I don't want to be involved in this. So I think sometimes that just sets him up in a place where it's like um, it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense. Okay. Right. And because you you spoke into his existence and you fought against it so hard. So it was reality. So, Chris, man, I gave a lot of context there because it was such a rich conversation last night and I had so many emotions as I'm experiencing this man's story and I still enjoy to talk to this guy and we're going to be good there's no beef here but it's just really trying to understand where he was coming from and sort of why black men and black people in general are where they are in life and he what he would say is behind others and specifically behind other races because we've chosen to be lazy niggas mm. instead of educated Negroes man so I'm gonna I'm pivot to something you love to talk about Boondocks. This man sounds like <laughs> the type character. Like the fact you were upwardly mobile black man and you have all this abundance, this ambrosia that you can feed to lift your people up. And you instead of trying to serve it as to as many people as you can, you choose to focus on the negative interactions you've had with people that aren't your family. When mm -hmm. you yourself admit that you're, even your family don't want to support you, even your family doesn't want to be a part of the things that you've done. Even your family doesn't see the value in doing the work. Why? Because at the end of the day, this guy's obviously enabling them to not have to be a part of the work to still reap the benefits. Mm -hmm. Like I get the idea, the metaphor you said, you got to wake up, you got to make the bread. People think you can wake up and just get, make bread every day. And he was like, nah, man, you don't just make the bread. You got first, you got to grow the wheat before you mm -hmm. can even make the flour. And it's like, I understand that sentiment as someone who has that mentality in a lot of ways. Like I like to do things from scratch a lot. Mm -hmm. And I understand the value of that because it makes you appreciate it more when you make something from scratch as opposed to going to the store and buying the dough that's already made and you just put mm -hmm. it in the oven. And you're like, look, I made bread, everybody. It's like, no, nah, I didn't. I just, I made this myself by hand. Like I, I proofed the dough. I proved the dough. I did this. I let it sit overnight. I added that. I made my own yeast. I made my own. And it's better than buying bread that's already <laughs> baked and cut. Yes, process. <laughs> better, better than what's processed. Yeah, it's better than what's processed. And it's like, people always think, oh man, something fresh. They're like, man, it just tastes so much better. It's like, but that's not really the thing that make it taste good. It's the idea that work went into making this. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's not it's not really a lot of difference in the ingredients when you make something that's processed and something that's from homemade. It's just the time you can taste the love and the care that mm -hmm. somebody put into the food. Yeah. So I, as the idea is continue that metaphor for food, it's like, this man has an, a, a whole... He has, because he black, he got a whole golden corral. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's it's everything you want in there. It's fried chicken, mashed potatoes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Apple pie, peas cobbler, the mac and cheese. Uh, even he, even, you know how black people are. We'd be like, man, I can make tacos. I can make spaghetti. You know, I got lasagna in there. It's like, this is a black everything. people establishment, but it's everything in here. You know, we got a little Italian. We got a little Chinese food in here. We got some, you know what I'm saying? Got some everything you food. love. Yeah, everything you love. And it's always the best thing, the best thing from each culture. We got fried rice. We got tacos, you know, we got lasagna. We got spaghetti, but... You know, he got all his going corral, right? But at the same time, his bathroom is not in the going corral. You got to go through the gas station to get to the bathroom. It's like, why you just don't put the bathroom in the going corral so it's self-sustaining? He's like, man, I don't know. I just It's just easier this way. It's easier this way. That's the way it's always been. And that's the mentality that this guy had. Mm -hmm. Like, the more you told me, it's like, that's his mentality. And it's hard to get past someone 
who has confirmation bias. Like you said, there's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like he sees something and then it happens. It's like, yeah, but it's in his mind. He already had the answer. So he's looking around for people to confirm the bias that he has in his head. Mm. And I think that's a mentality that a lot of upwardly mobile black people get. Like it's like when they say when you make a million dollars, the first million dollars is the hardest to make. Why? Because mm. nobody around you can tell you how to make a million dollars. But once you make a million dollars, the door opens to the millionaire club and people are like, come on, on come on in. I can show you how to make another 10 million from that million you just made. And next thing you know, you're 100 million. Exponential. And, yeah. And it's quicker. It's way quicker. Like it could take you it could take you 15, 20 years to make a million dollars. But then they make you it take you a year to turn that one million into five, that five million into 10, that 10 million mm. into 20, that 20 million into like 50. You know what I'm saying? That's how it goes. And it's exponential in that way. So this guy is a, a living example of that. Like he's a gatekeeper. And I'm always been somebody that they understand why there's so many gatekeepers in life. Mm -hmm. If you have information if and you have time, because obviously he has time. Like you yeah. say, CEOs don't have time and you work all the time, but he's at a party. <laughs> that's a, that's uh, you a, know? the first flaw <laughs> in his argument. Like, bro, if you're a CEO, you're at a, I don't, what? Like I'd have just challenged, you know me, I'd have just been in troll mode the whole time. Oh, like yeah. I'm about to challenge this man this whole time. Like he said, he has all this property and stuff, but you plow your own roads. You don't have a worker on staff that lives on your property that just does it for you. Oh, I, I don't know CEOs that- Because it's a part of the do, it's a part of the doing the work. I get the idea of the do it yourself. Yeah, but why? Oh, you keep your forklift on your property. That's cute. I have a factory or a warehouse where I keep my stuff. I go get it. You know what I'm saying? I got my workers that go do that for me. You know, that's how white people work. Since you want to make it into a race thing, that's how white people do it. That's how Asian people do it. That's how Latin people do it. Like, it's like what he's saying don't make sense to me. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I'm not pocket watching. I'm nowhere near him, you know, but it just in terms of like, if you're really trying to be an altruistic individual, like you can't have it both ways. Like mm -hmm. you can't have that mentality and also say you want to help people. That's not true. He just doesn't right. want to help people. Um, and he's comfortable. And that's why he showed it to you. He's putting his, as they say, putting his dick on the table. Look at this deal I got, man. Look, young blood. You ain't never seen nothing like that. Like, man, you old, crusty uncle, fuck his <laughs> crab in a bucket, <laughs> dusty, Bengay patch, wearing... You putting on old spice still thinking fresh smelling good, man. You don't get out of here with that, man. I don't care about that. Like I got a I got 10 million in crypto. What is you talking about, yeah. man? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what are we talking about? But in, in that, it's just seen, it reminds me of the um book though, Native Son, mm -hmm. which is a very, 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 very good book that I suggest everybody read. I'm gonna go ahead and uh give y'all the the person who wrote it. It's written by Richard Wright, and he's a black play, uh, a black writer. Um, from the 1940s. It was originally published in the 1940s. And actually the book actually takes place in Chicago, which is hmm. interesting for this. Um, and it's about the idea of bigger Thomas. And I feel like there are a lot of bigger Thomas in the world. People that are victims of their circumstance that are unable to see the societal systematic prejudices being enacted and upon them and are able to elevate themselves out of that situation. So hmm. in the book, things constantly happen to bigger. And instead of uh, addressing these things outright, he chooses to ignore them. Like one of the things he used, to, the author uses a lot in the book is the idea that B Bigger Thomas is passive aggressive and that when a situation occurs, he always says he wishes to blot it out like ink on a page or like white mm -hmm. out over words. Like he just wants to ignore situations as they come as opposed to facing them and just being like really steadfast in his beliefs like, dog, I'm going to get myself out of the situation. So much so Bigger, I believe, I'm not trying to ruin the book. No, no, go ahead. Just read, read the book. No, you got to read the book. Read the book. Just the, the, he, the boy gets in trouble. The man gets in trouble, and it's and it escalates exponentially. Like it's like the, he can't. You ever heard the phrase "can't do right"? This man can't. <laughs> like, nothing. He, like he's trying to break in the house. The people come back. He's trying to steal a car. The, the key. The, the the he dropped the, the light. Like it's like God. That, this man can't get a win. Like he's the worst yeah. criminal ever. Like it's just constant. <laughs> and it's like he's but he's put in these situations because of his system, like because of the systemic prejudice that happens around him. Like he can't get a job. So he got to steal and he got to steal because he can't get a job and it's mm -hmm. vice versa. So now he got a record. So now even if he try to get a job when he get free, he can't, he can't get, get abuse. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like all oh, his money. He want to get he want to raise his kids, but his baby mama don't want to see him. It's like, damn, man, this man can't he can't win for losing. Like you used to yeah. always say, can't win for losing. So I say all that to say. That's what we get into kind of today, like the Negroes versus the niggas. That idea, I feel like, is the main thing that keeps black people back in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like we can't just come together and galvanize like other communities. And that that's not to say that other communities are more adept at it. It's like we just choose to keep that mentality that it's not enough. 
we we operate from a feast or famine mentality. Like either I'm getting it, and because I'm getting it, nobody else can get it. Because if I don't get it, that means it's less for me, as opposed to being mm-hmm. like, no, it's enough for everybody. We all can eat. And I feel like that's that man's mentality. And I feel like a lot of successful people have that mentality. But also there's a lot to be said about that mentality because a lot of people that do have that mentality typically are successful. Yeah. You say the dude was taking advantage of the system and your moral compass would inhibit you from participating mm-hmm. in that. And it's like, yeah, but your moral compass should also lead you to say, maybe if I learn this information, I can be the one that breaks the chain. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, give me the game. Absolutely. And, I, and, Absolutely. I dis- and while I disagree with what you're doing, I understand it enough to say, maybe I'll flip it. Like, instead of doing that and displacing all these people, maybe I give away 20% of everything that I own every every year. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe I use this program to help 10 families every year procure housing. You're like, it's the ways you can make it make sense. Like, and that's the thing that needs to be happening. Like, if we had more people like that. It's like the same the same process where you have people that come here to America and then within a generation, they go from being somebody that clean, clean up an uh, apartment and then their kids are doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not by accident. That's by design. You know, you got people that come here a generation. I drove a taxi and now my, my daughter is the head of media at, complex like you know stuff yeah. like that. like you you know that's a real story like oh, you and I both, you, you know what i'm saying like it's a, it's a thing so i don't know man i i guess i i agree with this dude in some ways but i disagree with him at heart because he seemed like a he seemed like a sucker like he don't seem like somebody <laughs> a, a decent dude he don't seem like a decent guy now uh i, I do uh want to say that um you know, there are people that keep it on him, Chris. And I think we we might be talking about a person who might keep it on him. So I'm going to use choice words in what I say about this man. <laughs> but but and, and I'll say I, I at the crux of where he's coming from, I do think it might be. Um, as we talked last week, survivor's remorse, survivor's mm-hmm. guilt, it's not that exact thing. Right. Because this is generational for him. He grew up mm-hmm. within this. Right. So um, he's beyond the the people who had remorse or even guilt. They died decades ago. <laughs> right. To get this started. Right. This mm-hmm. generational work. What we're talking about is like if our great grandchildren, you know, we're running our empire of beyond hood and evil stith works and velvet jean studios you know what i mean like they're running the whole empire they're still trying to manage this old family business that's how long this money has been in the family and i can understand how cerebral he needs to be in the business context in order to make this money sustainable mm-hmm. right and so there's the business acumen side that i absolutely am attracted to chris because i agree with you a thousand percent Regardless of where the source is, if these are if this is great information, I want it. It's up to me to choose what I do with it, right? Yeah. And so, from a selfish standpoint, I, I'm happy to hear all this information, which is why I chose to shut the fuck up and listen, right? Because I'm like, yeah, you got information that I want, and you're a person that I actually enjoy speaking to because I know, again, at at the crux of it, he is a wealthy black man in what was a predominantly black city that was flourishing mm-hmm. to a point that is no longer flourishing for the community that you belong to, right? But yet you are still one of those who are elite, right? And so trying to balance, it's like when I talk about my mom still being in Section 8 housing, but now me being a middle-class American, and I could technically be one of the people who continue to push gentrification on her because I would be the one that would take advantage of gentrification, Right. Mm. Because if the hood starts to flip, I want to be one of the first people that can buy something that's affordable in an area that's becoming nice. And because Mm. I'm attached to it and know it from birth, I feel like it's something that I belong to. However, if it's also going to push my mom out for me to buy her fucking house, then there's a challenge there, Mm. (laughs) a moral issue, a conundrum where I'm like, shit, I can take advantage of this and now have this, but look at who I'm displacing. So I think some of that is still going on in this man's head, to be kind of honest. And I I say all of this to not be like, I'm all in his head. This is all inspired just by the conversation and the sentiment that he shared. And it's just that the part of me, I was like, I understand the business acumen piece. My real challenge is, yeah, Chris, to your point, you know, one, one, at one point he said, you know, I've tried everything to share this with my people. They just don't want to listen. Right. Mm -hmm. So we talked about that confirmation bias. We talked about the self-fulfilling prophecy. I am a stickler and I hate when people tell me I've tried everything. Right. Regardless of the situation, I've tried everything. It's like, no, you mm-hmm. haven't. That's a fucking lie. Thanks. You Thanks. have not tried everything. And I will never let that come out of my mouth when I'm talking about things in my life because I know I don't try everything. 
Sometimes mm. I don't try at all. I just want it to work. <laughs> and yeah. if it don't work, I'm like, mm, I'm over it. Facts. You know, and so in this case, I'm telling this man, I'm like, yo, like, who are you talking to? That was like one of my first questions. Like, who's like whose ear are you trying to plant this bug in? If you and like you said, if you're already talking to people who you can just see in their lifestyle that they don't want to do this, then why are you yeah. choosing them? This is like Chris, when you told me as, as like a as a um when you work on campaigns, like y'all don't drive to neighborhoods that oppose your message. Y'all don't drive to those neighborhoods and try to get those people to vote for your candidate. That's a waste of fucking time, right? Yeah. And, th- and you don't spend a ton of time with the people who are already going to vote for um, your, your candidate. You're going to exactly. go where people are on the fence. Yes, right? that's who you want. And yeah. That's who you want because you have a chance to, to flip yes. those numbers. And so in this case, when I'm thinking of him, I'm like, yo, where are you going to communicate this message? Because I do work <laughs> where I'm working with youth and educators and people trying to educate youth. And I'm not just talking about in the typical school setting. I'm talking mm. about after school programs. I'm talking about summer programs. I'm talking about GED. I'm talking about all kinds of fucking programs that exist for a kid from age four to fucking like 30, right? Yeah. There's mad educational opportunities for you to come in as a guest speaker with content, with receipts, and share something for an hour with kids. I could do that for you. If you have really in your heart, the means to say, I want to share this information to help uplift our next generation. You haven't, I know you haven't done that. And if you haven't, and if you have done it, you haven't done it in the last 10 years. You ain't done it in the last five years. So if you tried to do it in the nineties and nobody was hearing you, yeah, but now it's 2022. <laughs> right. And we're just talking about how we need examples of black men to help other black men know that they can have potential yeah, mentors in this space. So got ahead on, we got ahead on with the, who hurt you? Like, who did you help that hurt you, bro? Like, that's the only way that happens. He must have really poured into someone and that person must have abandoned him in some way. Something, something like that. Because it's don't, you don't have that, especially with a dude that's supposed to be like kind of a man. Like, why one situation really ruined you against all your and it could And it could have been repeated. And it could have been repeated situations. It could have been repeated. It could Go be repeated. Here in sale. Women don't like me. Why don't they like me? Is it because they don't? They just are jerks. They're mean. It's like, bro, you don't shower. You don't go outside. You don't have hobbies. <laughs> you addict to porno. Like, you want to be a, you want to weep for a wife. Like, what are you talking about, bro? You don't want a real girl, bro. That's why. So, Chris, I'm not trying to get shot. So, in this case, <laughs> and, and, and just to tee this up to clear this up for folks, this is not, you know, a personal attack on him. This is not like trying to get in this man's business, but it's just really talking about, like, yo, if you feel compelled that you have something you want to give it to people, but you feel like people aren't receptive to it. And now you decided to say that all people, all black people, because, <laughs> you know, you can make some mass generalizations that like they don't really want to take care of themselves. They don't really yeah. want to advance themselves. They just allow themselves to be lazy and think the world should take care of them. I'm like, bro, I'm cool with making broad generalizations because Chris and you, you and I make them. And I'm pretty sure there's some evidence behind them all to an extent. But at the end of the day, my question for him, because I'm going to talk to him again, I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. yo, man, what is your vision? And I'm going to take him through my whole little workshop. <laughs> Okay. What is what is your vision, man? What does that look like? Tell me what it looks like. Who do you need to talk to? Who's in that room with you getting this information from you? And what does a new vision for them look like as a result of you living within your vision? I just kind of want to talk. I want to see him talk me through his whole process and what he does. Because essentially what I'm going to do is create a layout, create a template mm-hmm. to say, okay, you said this, this, and this, 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 and this. And this is the information you think you can give to people. This is the medium in which you can deliver it. This is the sequence and scope of how you want to deliver it. And this is the audience in which will be most receptive to this. Based on what you're telling me, these are a few different groups that you can speak to. And half of them I can make introductions to if you really want an opportunity to help uplift your community of young black men. Do you want to do it? That'll be my last question. What do you want to do? And that's when you kind of put people on the spot. It's like, hey, you presented a problem. My job and my life is to create solutions. I've given you a solution. Now, what do you want to do about it? If he steps into that and he says, let's do it. I'll be like, dude, cool. Because I, I want some buckos too, you know, because you got the bag. So I, 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 I want to get in this too. Maybe I want to be paid for my this. time. I want you yeah, to pay for my time. Yeah, you can finance this whole other <laughs> couple things that I'm doing. Uh, he might not, not finance it after you listen to this podcast, but if he's listening right, he know he ain't talk shit. Um, but if he decides to take a step back, then I'm like, yeah, you have, like you said, you have no intention of making this better for your people. So you want to say it because you know it sounds good, your virtue signal. <laughs> exactly. Right? Hey, Chris, I learned he's something from you. I remember oh my God, he's gaslighting me. Oh my God. <laughs> Why doesn't he follow through with what he says? He always says what I'm saying is crazy and not true. 
<laughs> so I'm like, yo, either you're going to be virtue signaling or you're really going to be about to smoke. So like, what, like, what are you really doing? Um, so yeah, Chris, I mean, that's, that's why I was really with that, man. And I, I just also think it's ridiculous to be like, this is, this is another thing, Chris, you know how many people carry guns on them? A lot of people. A lot of people, right? And I don't Blue know if Chicago. I'm conflating. Maybe I'm conflating. <laughs> Maybe I'm conflating things. Maybe I'm conflating things, but I'm like, yo, if I've acquired this amount of wealth, that to me should present security to me. Like I have, I have this security because I have access to this wealth. I have this network. That should allow some type of peace to come into my life. Yet, I don't understand how these same incredibly wealthy people, this guy, in this case too, keeps it on them at all times, even while on their own property. To me, that strikes like a sense of like fear or like some type of like uneasiness around your environment, your surroundings. And I'm just like, how do you still have that after you've acquired all this wealth? When does your sense of peace come? You done done it. You done got the money and you ain't got no peace. <laughs> you got the peace on you. And you ain't got no peace. So at some point, is this lack of peace not a result of what you're doing and how you live your life? Oh, man, I got a, I got a bar for you, man. I got a bar for you. Me and Kay were working on a song yesterday, man. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a uh, posing, posing, I'm posing, I'm posing a threat because I'm chosen, I'm chosen, I'm chosen and blessed, but life's real. So I still watch for ice grills and keep a burner boy close to make the shifty lie still. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, got to keep the burner boy close so this, to make the shifty lie still. You know what I'm saying? Like, people move in very incongruent ways. You know, people aren't always moving analogous with you. So you got to make sure that in those moments where they are come together, mm -hmm. uh, make a parallel line. You can't always be perpendicular. Sometimes you got to be parallel to people. And sometimes those parallel lines don't run together. They run mm -hmm. opposite directions. So, and I understand his, his fear, for lack of a better word, but mm -hmm. I think it also comes from, like you said, guilt. He understands that a lot of the issues that may have, them, a lot of the problems that may walk into his life may be of his own causing. Like again, he got all this mm -hmm. money. You ain't got a, you ain't got a gate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Definitely you got a gate. You definitely got a gate <laughs> all around the property. You definitely do. <laughs> but, but but that's what I'm trying to say. Like you, you need to make your gate taller. Then like you got to keep a gun on you in your house. Like I can see if it's close by, but on yeah. you in the house, like somebody, how, how, they, how they hop, how they get over the gate? And if you got a gate. You ain't got a you ain't got a guard, you know what I'm saying? Like it's just I don't know. It's like it's things that don't lie. It's like it sounds like to me like he want to invite somebody to break some problems. Like I can't. That's the biggest reason why I don't necessarily see the need to have a gun on me. Like I don't want to invite mm -hmm. that energy into my life. Like I feel it's like if you if you carrying a gun, you are gonna have to use it at some point. Like I said mm -hmm. to, to me, that's how the, the world works. Like when you get money, you go and spend it. That's why they say you shouldn't keep cash on you because if you got cash on you. It's a two things that's bound to happen. Somebody could rob you, or you're going to lose it, or you're going to spend it. So three things could happen. You know what I'm saying? It's just, mm -hmm. That's the way it is. So, but back to the conversation we was having, like, about the, like, the idea of being a free black person. This man is free in every sense of the world. He has money. Mm -hmm. He has things. He has access. He has network. He has net worth. You know, he has a sense of self-importance and self-righteousness. But the one thing it seems that he is lacking in is integrity. And that integrity is eating away at his morality, which makes him feel uneasy about those around him because he doesn't feel like he could trust nobody. That's all mm -hmm. this boils down to. He has a trust issue. He doesn't believe that he could pull into somebody and he'll be able to see them come up in the same exact way that he came up. So it also seems like he has a bit of, if this person isn't moving exactly the way I move, they're not worth even spending time on, you know? But I think that, that, that paints the picture again of society as a whole, how... How do we remediate those issues, you know, as people of color? Like, how we get out mm -hmm. that cycle? Like, I want to be free and I want to learn the system. But because, again, I say Black people, like people, community people, because of the sense of community, I don't want to take advantage of those around me just for me to come up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I got to, if, if I, for me to come up, if somebody else got to go down, I'm not sure that I want to come up then. It's best, I must rather just stay where I'm at or keep doing what I'm doing. And I think mm -hmm. that may be some things that's going on too with the people he poured into. Like maybe he did pour into people similar to you that don't have the same idea or ambition. Because a big mm -hmm. part of that, you know, especially that selfishness, that selfishness that we talked about last yeah. episode with the uh, survivors remorse is you got to have some selfishness in there. Like, dog, 
I want you to get it, but I can't wait till you got it. Yeah. You know? And I, and I would love for all of us to come up together. But if you ain't ready, I'm not going to force you. When you ready, hit me, though. And I'm sure I think this dude don't even have that mentality. He's like, oh, don't yeah. hit me because he got a gun on him. Like, who, who, can, who can approach somebody that's walking around with a gun on them? It's not in the trunk. It's like most people got to go pop the trunk. They got to go get their bag. This man got it on his hip. He got an open carry registration form and all Like He's bugged out. You know, he's a bugged out, you know. So. But I also can't I can't disagree with his sentiments, like because I've encountered that, too. Like you try to talk to people, try to. Tell people, like, especially growing up, you got all this proximity to those that you care about. You want to see them come up in the same way you came up. You want to see them be mm -hmm. successful. And they they just let it drop to the floor. Like, I always think about Mr. E and how he used to pull into me and my classmates, man. He's like, you know, he's a deacon. I used to say it all the time. I'm a praying teacher, favorite praying teacher, him and Melchus Davis, who passed, uh, RP. Mr. E used to say, man, don't let that drop to the ground. Don't let that drop to the ground. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Y'all just let that drop to the floor. Y'all just stress, let that drop to the floor. He used to say that all the that's time. That's a gym. That's a gym. Yeah, like that's a gym. That's a gym. You know what I'm saying? That's a gym. And that's what he was applying. That's a gym. I just dropped a jewel on y'all. Don't let it drop to the ground. You better go pick that up. Better pick that up. And we we walking around. We be like, man, you, you crazy as a mug, man. You tripping, man. You hear him? Yeah. But I remember I used to listen. And maybe that's the big part. Maybe it's because my grandmother did instill that church tradition in me and my brother. Like somebody say something, you know, or if somebody's charismatic and magnanimous and they got information, I'm going to listen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to listen because I, I like the end of being infotained. Like, I like the idea of being <laughs> infotained. So, and he would tell me a lot of stuff, and I still apply that to this day. Like, successful people always leaving clues. Whenever I do something and I feel like it worked for me, first people I tell my friends and my brother, well, first person mm -hmm. I probably tell my brother, and then the second person I tell my friends, you know what I'm saying? Oh, my, my lady or whatever, like, yo, you should do this, you should do that. Like, somebody expressed to me they got some type of thing they want to do. I'm, first thing I'm thinking of is all the ways that I know how that thing works to get them the information and give it a shortcut. Like, don't do that, do this. Don't do that, do this. Don't do that, do that. And that can be overwhelming. And I think that may also be a part of what the guy's going through too. Like, you you shared a story offline about how he you introduced him to a young man who has mm -hmm. similar aspirations to this guy. And the dude didn't even have a conversation with the young man. He just immediately gave him an actionable item. That's mm -hmm. a lot for most people. That's a lot. Like, yeah. I don't know your name. I don't know you. Like, you just giving me a task to complete. And not only is it a task that come with a price point. Like, wait, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Like, you're not giving me no context who you are, what you do. Like, yo, man, young man, I got this for you. It's going to cost you this much. Are you in or are you out? Proposition hello? real quick. You got a proposition hello? in the first 20 seconds. How about, yeah, how about a handshake? <laughs> Buy me dinner? Like, we, we can we have a conversation first? Can I see who you are as an individual before I give you thousands of dollars? Like, what are you talking about? So I think that the idea that we all have the capacity to be free comes with having to unlearn the things that we were taught about community, the things mm -hmm. that we are taught about survival, because a lot of the pieces of survival are doing enough to get to the next day. Mm -hmm. And living a lot of the times, you're not surviving. You got to take chances. And if yeah. you're, you're so busy trying to survive, you don't really have the luxury to take chances. And I feel like my I, I have actually been affected with that mentality a lot. You know, I talk about a lot the way I grew up. Like, I'm very risk averse. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, everybody I know always tell me I need to start a business. Like, Chris, you tripping. Like, you should just be a business owner. Like, start a consultancy, Chris. You be, you be killing it. And it's like, but dog, I'm not trying to be, I'm doing something consistent, man. Like, I'm one generation from abject poverty. Like, do you understand that? <laughs> I'm one generation. I don't have that safety bucket. Like, I can't go stay at my grandmother's house. I can't go stay at my mom's house. I can't go stay right. at my brother's house. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm Right now, I'm still the most successful person in my immediate family. So it's like, I am the, the lynch point. If something happened, people going to lean on me. So I can't be out here trying to hustle to get it up. <laughs> like, it got to yeah. be coming. It got to be coming in. <laughs> it got to be coming in. So... You know, um, I'd be interested to see if that's ever been a case that he's running to, especially with somebody with his level of income as he's purported it to be. I'd be very interested to have that conversation with him. Like, yo, like, how many people you reach out to? How many of your family members are on salary? How many of your family members actually have a position where they have to help you? Or are you in a position to be over them? Because there's a difference mm -hmm. between working with your family as partners and working with your family as employees. And if he always sees someone as an employee, that means he ultimately sees them as something that's disposable and interchangeable. Yeah. Like, oh, I could just replace you. And it's like, that's a weird way to live your life. And I mean, like, I think that ties back to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. Like, we were talking about, man, I like people to be human. And that's mm -hmm. not a human thing to do to view people as people 
as things, to spew people as things to be changed and rearranged. But so you're hitting on a lot, bro. And this is funny because you were not involved in this conversation. I maybe talked to you about this for 15 minutes, but you hit a lot of these things on the head that I felt, right? Infinite Just from minded. listening. Infinite minded, <laughs> man. I'm infinite minded. <laughs> One of the things he did say, he was like, uh, I was like, so how involved in the family? Like how how involved are they? And he said, not much, you know. Like I assume the role and you know, there there was I was assuming some jealousy there, which he talked about. Um, and I was like, so do people still eat off the business? And his immediate answer was, if I let them. And I was just like, there we go, clarity. I, told you. I was like, I, told you. I, I was like, I, again, I, I was like, so what do you expect? You know what I mean? And so, Chris, there's two things you said, man, that I want to speak to a little bit. I've mentioned on the podcast, like what I think, like my purpose is, like what I think the idea of what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I think I'm like, the gift that keeps on giving. And what I mean by that is like, I am given a gift and I have to continue to share that gift. It's the analogy of what you just said. Once I have information, I have a duty to to share and distribute that information, right? And you mm. take as much as you can, as you want from that. Like, um, Oh my God, you're controlling. Oh my God. Why don't you make my own decisions? Why don't you let me think for myself? You're always trying to be my father. Oh my God. <laughs> no, niggas got a pink and I'm going to share <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, and so I, I like this idea of like a prophet, right? And you have this like, you have this vision of what the world could be and what it should do. And a prophet's, what is a prophet's like job? Prophesize. <laughs> no matter if you got people listening or not, <laughs> you got to keep doing it, right? Because mm -hmm. you know that that is your job, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'm very much here to do a similar thing, right? To learn as much and to share as much, right? And to grow as much, to show people that they can grow as much and they're going to grow from my growth because I'm going to share how I grew, right? It's just what I have to do regardless of who's listening, right? So I have mentees who are young college students who are now young professionals. I have siblings. I have my partner. I have my friends. I have my colleagues. Everybody's getting this shit from me. Like mm -hmm. if you talk to a hundred different people, a hundred different people might all have very similar things to say about and how I approach them and what they can rely on me for, what they don't rely on me for, et cetera. Pretty consistent because mm. I show up and do what I am supposed to do. This guy to me seems like a misguided prophet, right? Like one that's in, disenchanted at this moment where I'm like, you have something that you believe like so strongly, right? Mm. That you want people to absorb this information and take it with them, yet they're not. Right. So my question is to become, are you a really bad prophet? <laughs> Do you really understand the material <laughs> that you have that you can explain mm -hmm. it as such to the audience that you want to receive it so that they can receive it and utilize it? Right. Mm -hmm. And do something with it. Um, or are you just a disenchanted prophet where you have this information and it hasn't really settled on the right nose and you just decided that it's not worth sharing anymore? Like mm. it could be that this only works for you. Yeah. Right. And not Facts. for other people. Like, right. like you talked about being a gatekeeper. Um, what is what is the buy-in to play the game that you're playing? You're talking about this being generational wealth. What was the buy-in back in the day to get in the game? We right? know what the buy-in was. He was passing. You said it yourself. That's the biggest thing that he... You can't skip over that. Like, to be passing gives you an entry point to have conversations with people who will ultimately reject someone who looked like you, Mike, or me, myself. Like... We look, we, there's a totally different <laughs> yeah if you dark skin there's a whole different like shadism the caste system people won't don't think that exists in America but it does like there's even mm -hmm. still the age old light skin versus dark skin debate and that oh I want a dark skin man because he's more aggressive and he gonna feel I'm gonna feel protected I don't want a light skin man he's too pretty duh, 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 duh. like all that dumb stuff which does have some merit because stereotypes exist for a reason I'll never yeah, ignore yeah, that yeah absolutely but, I agree but at the same time, if you were passing, man, back in those days, a big part of it was just being the right complexion. Because if you were right complexion, you can go in the right direction, which is the white direction at that time. So, mm. you know, to, to do charity and give clarity on the situation, that was his buy-in. He was born the right skin tone. And that's something you don't it's have real. access to. You know what I'm saying? You know, and if you look, you out here walking like an I'll be sure with the hair all wavy. wavy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That, what we going to do? Hit Lakeshore, girls go all crazy, you know what I'm saying? Hit the freeway, go least about 80. This <laughs> a must that summer. Adam a baby. Adam a baby. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what happens. Like, that's the that's the conversation that happens. That's your life. That's the progression. 
And, you know, the expression for that is luck. You know, he was lucky. And then they get yeah. into a situation where he was not only born the right complexion, but also had family members and a head of the household who was happened to be male. Just to really paint the picture. Yeah. He would had a male who had business acumen to understand a problem that he could solve for just using his own thoughts and his luck. It just worked out for him. He's blessed in a lot of ways. And so, Chris, and you're getting to the, the next fact of mine. Being a prophet is one thing. Being able to find the right message to communicate to your audience is one thing. What's the price of the buy-in, right? If you if your great-grandfather was mixed race <laughs> and passing, that's really great for buy-in at that point because there's no amount of money that can get you in that door if you're dark-skinned or if you are othered, right? Uh, so that was the perfect storm. The, the other side of this is... Um, Recipes, as I like to call it. So long story short, a lot of the business of what I do is trying to discover recipes and share those recipes with others. So in the analogy of food that we gave earlier, so that they can make food for themselves, right? Like, yeah, it's really inconvenient when you can show up and buy the food already. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it really nice when you can go and buy the ingredients, put it together and make food for yourself? It's the mm. idea of teaching somebody how to fish, right? And not giving them a fish. I'm a big believer in that. That's how I've gotten to where I've gone. I've listened and I've applied through practical application. I've even learned more and I've grown to know so deeply that now I think of things as fact, right? Because I've practiced and done them repeatedly, which is a lot of what this man has done. He's practiced a lot of great things from a business perspective that he can believe in them so deeply, right? It's through application of what he's learned. I'm a believer that man, Chris, and I said this last week, if I'm the only one doing well in my family or in my situation with friends and all of that, then it, this is not a fun life. I don't want to be the only wealthy one. So I could also imagine how isolating this shit is and what isolation can do to somebody who's already cerebral in life from a business aspect and I'd assuming too from a personal aspect, super cerebral, how when you then operate in isolation, how even more... Um, disconnected you become from humanity, mm. right? And you're, like we talked about, survivor's obligation, right? Yeah. Because what he's not seeing from this is you are one of the people, groups of families that have been able to do this. And it's not to say that you didn't, you earned the hell out of it. You did, right? You earned and you're sustaining it, right? But you have an obligation to do this for other people and you can choose to serve your obligation or you can choose not to. Chris, my thing is, I want to give people the receipts because I actually want to understand if merit and a meritocracy can actually exist, right? Mm. Like, I want to see if you gave everybody a level playing field, regardless of their gender, regardless of their race, regardless of their identity, what all that shit, cut all that shit out, which is never going to happen. But just if we can cut that shit out and allow people just to operate and try to acquire knowledge and pursue that knowledge and then apply that knowledge and then see what they can get as a result... I actually want to see how many people can truly be successful. And so in the pursuit of trying to see what that could be like is the result of the companies that I create and the work that I do as a consultant. I acquire as much knowledge as I can from successful people, right? Successful business people, successful educators, and I take it and I codify it, which means you put it into a structure for someone else to consume to see if they can then apply that information and get the same results, Right. And if you can get those same results, then we have something that many people can copy paste. So if you want to drop a laundromat, if you want if you want to have a laundromat business, there's somebody else who's already done it. You should be able to get some receipts, some recipes from them impossible. and be able to apply that to your work and open you a laundromat. What do you mean? Impossible. Asian uh, no, no, they, no, they, they own all the laundromats. We just we just well, said. Choose a different industry. <laughs> Asian people own the laundry mats. Well, then we might as well not talk about construction because that's predominantly white. Italian. Move to a different uh, Italian and Mexican. Trying a different industry. Go ahead. Uh, construction is everywhere. Laundry mats are everywhere. What you want me to go to liquor stores next? Black people go to liquor stores. You want uh, me to do Muslim stuff? people own that. They don't, they're the prep. Come on, man. You know, Habibi owns that. Go to a what's, 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 what's going to be left? What's going to be You left? know what black people do? Hospitality. We always do hospitality. Cooking. Hospitality. Cooking. Cooking. Every black person has a catering company or a nails or a hair beauty salon, something that, like uh, that. Yeah. We do barber and we make people look good. We make people feel good and we make food that tastes good. That's what black people do. Mm. That's how so we, that enter was we entertain them. We make them look good and then we, we feed them. That's what we do. That's what we do. 
Food okay. for the soul, food for thought. That's why black people try to make therapy they think. I feel like everybody a therapist, everybody a counselor. I actually, I, 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 like I like that, Rob. I think that's I like that, Rob. I've seen a lot of people. Like, I remember Theon, the first person you and I probably both met that was like, I want to be a counselor. I was like, as a black yeah. person, I was trying to think about it. I was like, I guess I did have black guidance counselors, but I never heard of like uh, somebody going to college for counseling. This is That's more real. of a DeVry thing, you know, more ICDC. You, know? <laughs> you went to a prestigious university to become, oh, good on you. You spent $150,000 to become, you know, that's a social counselor. worker. Yeah, that's great. Look at you going into debt for the rest of your life. Look at you. Moral <laughs> compass is through the roof. <laughs> but yeah, Chris, that's, that's, that's kind of where I really want to pursue life. And so it's like, to your point, it's, when I meet people who like to tout that they have information that allows them be, to be successful, yet they don't share and disseminate that information, yeah. um, I actually think you're limiting the amount of success you can actually have. Mm. Because I actually think we only get better when we're all sharing information because it allows us yes. to see, again, talking about the, the merit, like to see who the, the great ideas can actually rise. I'm also a believer that there are no more fucking original ideas left. There are very few. Um, and if there are original deals, original ideas, ideas coming from somewhere, it ain't anywhere in a highly populated or dense community or society. And so, yeah, you're right. You're right. It'd be the uh, African people and people, uh, like the people who are doing in the mud. Exactly. They're doing different shit. And you're like, oh, that's actual innovation. You can learn some this shit. Then, a, this motherfucker built a car out of cardboard boxes. What the fuck? <laughs> how do you do that <laughs> shit, man? Motherfuckers yeah, building man, ooga houses ooga, out of mud. Ooga boo yeah, <laughs> down the street, man. He know how to make water in the sand. I ain't never seen no fans. It was crazy as hell. This man's a magician. He, he got, got a some motorbike type of thing. He, operating he off of water. He, pulled, he got some MERS that he put in the water and he let it sit overnight. He come back and it's sand. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's a magician. We're going to burn him at the stake. We're going to burn him at the stake. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's a witch. He's, doing, I mean, he's a witch. He's a warlock and he's going against God. So we're going to kill him because he got some unknown knowledge from bitten knowledge. You know what I'm saying? You know? <sighs> and that's why lots of our elders were murdered, though. They were, they were cast as witches and we're doing dark magic. But Chris, to, 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 to start to wrap this up, man, um, I, I loved at the end of the day, that conversation last night. I loved it, right? Because at the very least for me, I discovered somebody that has apparently insurmountable amounts of information, just like copious amounts. So now my thing is to like learn as much as possible, one for myself, but then to also challenge this person. Because you, again, if you ask a hundred people, a hundred people will probably say they've been challenged by me at some point. And I'm not talking about like challenge to make you feel small, but you probably are going to disclose something to me that you really want to do or think is worth doing. And I'm going to push you to say, okay, well, what's stopping you from doing it? Right. And then try to encourage you to do it. Stopping you. Stopping you. Stopping you. Exactly. One of my favorite fucking songs. Hit the piano chord on that joint. Exactly. With Key Wayne. Man. So, uh, so that's where I'm coming from. So with this guy, I really do want to challenge him to say, man, you on, a, you on a, the latter edge of your life where you do really feel like this information is paramount, like you want to share. And you got a young buck here who's going to buck the trend and like want to absorb that information to disseminate it, to actually say that the information you actually have is valuable. Can people actually retain this information? Can they apply this information? And can they get results? And if they can, then I can come back to you and say, sir, look what you've done. You've created wealth for others. Or he might just hit you with the Jay-Z line. Singing off bitches too. All I got is this money. And this a do. Yeah. And that's the podcast. <laughs> wow. I appreciate you, baby. Appreciate you too.